This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words. Wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all, wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call. Offer pardon and peace to all Wonderful words of life Jesus, only Savior Sanctify forever Beautiful words, wonderful words Wonderful words of life Beautiful words, wonderful words
of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul it is shall sound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Halls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tagg. Thanks today to Jim Haverud and Debbie Tagg, our musicians. Eileen Flatten will be our reader and provider of the children's message. And our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715 715- 268-9577 or by mail at NUIC Parish 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin and again through our website at www.nuicparish.org We want to thank WPCA Radio for this broadcast. One of the things to keep in mind with school starting, Sunday school also is getting going, and so Rally Sunday will be here on September 11th, and hope that many of you can be here. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, Worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You, want to, you may want to lay that before you a candle, a cross. You might enjoy making a small worship space to enhance your at-home worship experience. And you may also want to have a Bible and Bibles for the kids to follow along with the readings. As we begin worship, it is, it is our desire to honor God to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence 
and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. Amen. Continue with the confession and forgiveness of sin. We confess our sins before God and one another. Faithful God, we are not always quick to claim you as our God. We do not show care for one another. We fail to see all people as your people and hurt one another with our actions or lack of action. Forgive us our sins and give us the same fierce love for our neighbors that Ruth had for Naomi. God who calls and sustains forgives you all your sins. Go forth in the confidence of God's love and care in Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. We have a very special uh, birthday that was celebrated on the 30th of uh, August to Edna Henriksen who turned 103. So we'd like to celebrate that with us singing to her happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Edna. Happy birthday to you. God bless you. I'll meet you in the morning by the bright riverside When all sorrows have drifted away I'll be standing at the portals when the gates open wide At the end of life's long dreary day I'll meet you in the morning with a heart the river and with rapture old acquaintance renew you know city that 
Good neighbors, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us rejoice in God our Savior. God looks on us with favor. God has done great things for us. Holy is the name of God. We all need a happy ending sometimes. The story of Ruth ends happily indeed. Ruth found a loving husband. Boaz found a loving wife. Naomi was given a beautiful grandson, a grandson who would be ancestor to David, a grandson who would be an ancestor to Jesus. While the story begins in sorrow and loss, it ends in joy and bountiful gain. God's mercy endures forever. Thanks be to God. If you continue uh, with the prayer of the day. God of loving kindness, you blessed your servants, Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi, with the birth of a son, who would be an ancestor to Jesus. Bless us now as inheritors of Jesus' reign, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I encourage you now to share a sign of peace. Bless yourself or someone worshiping with you beginning with a touch on the forehead and using the Trinity formula, be blessed or I am blessed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll now continue with the uh, reading of the scriptures and the children's sermon with Eileen Flatten. The first reading is from Ruth chapter four. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down there than the next of kin, of whom Boaz had spoken, came passing by. So Boaz said, Come over, friend, sit down here. And he went over and sat down. 
Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to the next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belongs to our kinsman Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me so that I may know, for there is no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. And this, the next of kin said, I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malan, to be my to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem and through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashan, Nashan of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. The second reading is from Luke Chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his holy is his name. 
His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for the children's message, or as I like to say, for all of us who are still children at heart. I want to talk to you today about the word welcome. What do you think it means? You've probably heard the word plenty of times. You might have seen it around town lately. There might be banners saying, welcome back to school, welcome to Amory. Restaurants and stores that had been closed are again eager to welcome people back to do business. Or maybe someone you love has traveled and when they return, you might make a sign that says, welcome home. Perhaps you have a mat in front of your house that says welcome. The dictionary defines the word as a friendly greeting or as someone, who, someone or something that is gladly received. When we welcome others, we communicate to them that they are valued and that we are glad to see or to be with them. Sometimes those, these types of signs can be words, can be a little deceiving. We might say welcome, but only receive people under certain conditions. The signs around town might welcome people back into stores, but only if you haven't been sick in recent months. Your doormat might say welcome, but not if you smell bad or if you're trying to sell something or tell me something. You know, even in our nation's history, we see a lot of mixed messages. For example, have you ever seen the Statue of Liberty? It stands in the harbor outside New York, right by a place called Ellis Island. The statue is a symbol of freedom, and it even has a poem on it welcoming people who are tired and yearn to be free. It was the first thing that immigrants saw when they moved to the United States from other countries. But they would pass through this processing place called Ellis Island, where they were screened and sometimes sent back home. If they didn't have good health or plans or enough money, even if they made it through, these immigrants were often treated poorly by other people. Sometimes Americans refused to give them jobs or food or a place to stay. Some people do not want to welcome others who aren't like them. Unfortunately, this can even happen in our churches. We might say welcome everyone, but if people look a certain way, they might be treated negatively or feel cast out. This is not what Jesus wanted. To be sure, we do need to make sure that we stay safe. We can't just open the doors of our houses to anyone who might walk in and do something bad. We do want to make sure we're feeling healthy for the sake of other people. However, we are called to communicate to others that, we are gladly, that they are gladly received. Jesus told people that when we receive and welcome others, it's like we are welcoming him and welcoming the one who sent him. Well, that of course would be God himself. He said that we will receive blessings for welcoming others, whoever they are. Jesus had a reputation for welcoming people who might otherwise be looked down on. He demonstrated love for children, even though kids at that time were not too valued. He went to people who were sick and hurting, outcasts of society, and those who had done wrong. Jesus cared for all of them and loved them. He welcomed them all into God's family. We can rejoice in this because we know that he welcomes us. 
He loved us enough to die for us, allowing us to be a welcome part of the kingdom of heaven. His arms are wide open for us to rush into a blessed embrace. We also know that he wants us to welcome others. Now, we might not be comfortable giving out hugs, but we can still invite people to church and give them a hearty wave and welcome when they come. If we can't welcome folks into our homes, maybe we can send cards or call them. We can remind others that they are valued and loved. And of course, the best thing we can do is pray. Ask God to bring people into his family and give thanks for helping us to be part of that process. So why don't we say a word of prayer right now? Dear God, thank you for welcoming us into your family. We know that you value and care for all people. Help us to be welcoming to others and to demonstrate your love to those in our lives. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Concluding the book of Ruth this Sunday. And uh, it, it, it's a marvelous story and one that I hope you have enjoyed a little bit. And one of the things I'm going to take away might not, well, well, we'll see. I'm going to read the preaching theme from the narrative. The lives of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz were intertwined in a way that benefited all of them. Boaz was a man of integrity. When Ruth and Naomi proposed a union that would benefit all three, Boaz set about the task of clearing the way for it to happen. There was one other kinsman who had a stronger claim to purchase Naomi's land than Boaz did. 
Boaz found the man in the city and started the bargaining process. He told the kinsmen about the land, which at first sounded appealing to the man. But then the man learned that the land came with a wife and a man would not redeem the offer. According to their custom, the man refused to offer by removing his sandal, giving it to Boaz, making the exchange legit. They did this in the presence of witnesses so there would be no dispute. Boaz was cleared to marry Ruth. The witness offered a blessing to Boaz and Ruth, that they bear children as Rachel, Leah, and Tamar bore children that built up Israel. The blessing was faith fruitful, and Ruth and Boaz had a son, Obed. According to tradition, the women celebrated with Naomi on the birth of a child, even though the child was born to Ruth, honoring the matriarch of the family. As an aside, Ruth, we, Ruth, we learn, would be in the ancestral line of David and thereby Jesus. This means that Jesus had the blood of Moab. You'll remember Moab was descended from Lot by incest with his daughters. So although Jesus was a descendant of the king, he also had the bloodlines of women, foreigners, and sinners. Ruth and Naomi and Boaz were three clever and willing participants in actions that ended up for the good of all of them. Although their stories were at times precarious, their lives became intertwined so that all three were taken care of in ways none could have done alone. I love that part where it says, although Jesus was descendant of the king, he also had the bloodlines of women, foreigners, and sinners. It kind of brings us back to the fact that God's love is for all. We even go to the story of Jonah, and we see that again in the Old Testament when people think that God only loved Israel, but there uh, Jonah trying to run away, and God reminds him that he cares for the 200,000 that don't know their right hand from their left in that great city, Nineveh, and that he repented so that they could live for a while anyway and try to find out if they could become people of God. God's love is for all. I'm going to take you on a personal journey that some of the stories you maybe have heard before, but it, it, it's one that has moved me to a place today that I, I think drives my theology, drives my, my life, I hope, as I understand how and seeing God and experience how God is caring for all people. I grew up in a home that uh, is in Iowa and where some of the people live farther south and are very racist. So I learned all the things about Negroes at that time, and that was considered a nice word in our uh, family and community. And finally, as I ended up getting to know Obed Natuli and going to South Africa, one time that it really set me up my mind to change completely, although it had moved quite far by that time. There we were in the fourth largest city in South Africa. We were in a church on a Sunday morning. We were the minority, seven white young Americans in an all black community. And that township, Soweto, was the fourth largest, like I said, all black. The segregation, or apartheid as it was called, 
was very, very real. And we saw the hurts and we heard the stories of murders and of uh, how awful it was to live in Soweto. There on that Sunday morning as we sang, one of the elders of the church got up and looked us square in the eye and he said, hey, you're not foreigners here. You are our brothers and sisters. What a good word that was, sitting in a place where they had every right to hate us or not like us or hold us back, but we were their brothers and sisters. Earlier on that trip, we were in an area where some Catholics were following, uh, in Greece, following the uh, missionary journeys of Paul. And we were at a campsite, and we were preparing to sing at a Lutheran church in the morning. And the Catholics gathered around us, and uh, we got to know them a little bit, and they asked us to have mass with them the next morning, and we sang together, sang for them. And it was a great time. And then we took off for the Lutheran church. We got halfway through our first song when we were interrupted in a Norwegian elder of the church, which was people from Romania, Jewish Lutherans who had suffered deeply in World War II. And they weren't used to these kinds of songs that we were singing, which were upbeat, like I am the resurrection and a life that had a bounce to it. And she said, you are not gonna sing that dance hall music in this church. And we got kicked out of the Lutheran church. I look back at that and I remember how Catholics and Lutherans did not get along in my growing up years in my community. And it was such a reversal for me to understand, ah, we are not different. We have much to learn from each other. The Catholics have been great at Wapagasset with uh, the net teams that come after every summer for two to three weeks and what a joy to be around those college age people who are anxious to share their faith. Time and time again, I've been touched by the Catholic Church. How different thinking from when I was young. Or sometimes we think that only older people can make us feel at home. It was Christmas in Ethiopia. I had been sick, I was struggling, and I was thinking of home. And they took us to an orphanage in Ethiopia we had done some singing and stuff, and as we walked away, two little kids grabbed my hand, and we walked for about 100 yards together. Didn't say a word, they just held my hand, and I was home. I didn't need a picture of that, although I think there is one, because that picture is indelibly on my mind. Two young Ethiopians making me feel at home. I think of Mexico where poverty was very real and walking into a home that had cardboard and uh, some tin on the roof, one room, seven kids, dad and mom, one bed and the rest were on the floor. There were some old rotten tomatoes, at least it looked like they were rotten to me, on the side. And the dad, with all excitement, shared with us how his daughter was in confirmation and had her share the lesson that they were learning. And on a broken piece of, car of chalkboard on the wall was her lesson, the fourth commandment. 
more joy in that home than I saw in so many of our American homes. Poverty sometimes brings out the best in us. I think of China, one child is all they could have, supposedly. And so they were very careful. If it were a girl, sometimes they would abort. And if it were a handicapped child, they would leave them out in the field to die. They showed me a picture in China from the organization called China Service Venture. And there was an old man and two younger men standing next to him. And it was three generations. They all had big smiles on their face. On the right was the uh, grandfather's son, but he wasn't his son. He had gone out in the, walking along the road and he heard a cry out in the field and he found this boy who was handicapped. And he took him home, cared for him, and helped him grow up. And the story doesn't end there though. That father found another boy who'd been left out in the field handicapped, left to die, and he brought him home. And what was interesting, if you go into that home, there was only one thing they had hanging on the wall. It was very simple, but they were very much an engaging threesome. There was a simple cross. The man of faith who welcomed all, even children, that were supposed to be thrown away. I don't know about your experiences, but we're in a time in our world that we're seeing more and more hatred and bitterness, distrust, no respect for life of those who are different or unique from us. Think what would have happened to Ruth and if she had come back and they had that same kind of thing. But the Israelites, even though they didn't necessarily get along with the Moabites, welcomed her, made her part of the community. She became part of the lineage of Jesus. The other one who was in the lineage of Jesus that some forget about was Rahab, who was the harlot from Jericho, who took care of two uh, spies and hid them and was saved when Jericho was destroyed. She became also a woman in the lineage of Jesus. How about your home? How welcoming are you? How willing are you to have different people come in? I have to smile because my wife had 12 brothers and sisters. I had never met them. They had struggled with some things in the family with the death of a mom and a dad and uh, the mom dying from an overdose, or not an overdose, but a, a, in a dentist chair, had a reaction. Debbie's dad had died. There were seven in that family. The dad that uh, Esther met was, had three, so that made 10 and then they had three more. And I thought, my goodness, it's so different than my family, which has lived together all their life. Not much difference in how we believed and how we moved. Her family was very diverse. 
in many, many ways in terms of ideas and the way they uh, responded and acted. And they were delightful, but it was a little scary for me. But I've learned to grow and to have learned much from them because God's love is for all. And they are each one loved by God. The churches I get to work with these days if we sat down and talked politics, we would not agree, I would guess. There would be a lot of discussion, a lot of diversity, and there'd probably be some anger. But what a privilege to listen and to work and to hear the different concerns that people have and the whys that they have them. We don't all need to be the same. We just need again to know that Jesus loves us, all of us cares for us and wants what is best for us, wants us to be his bride in the church eternal. We don't always see eye to eye in our families, in our churches, in our communities, but we need to remember how God has met us and it's not, doesn't allow racism, doesn't let our differences and denominations separate us, should not be our color our skin or our uh, economic value or our handicaps that people might have or the different ways that families relate and move. We have an awesome task to see people as people as God sees them, to be loved and cared for. I shared this story before, but I like it. I'll close with this. This story must have had an impact on many people because three different friends shared it with the author of this book. The teacher sat around a blazing fire with a small number of students late at night. Their meandering conversation was broken by periods of silence when they all gazed at the stars and the moon. Following one of these periods when no one spoke, the teacher asked a question. How can we know when the night has ended and the day has begun? Eagerly, one man answered, you know the night is over and the day has begun when you can look off in the distance and determine which animal is your dog and which is the sheep. Is that the right answer, teacher? Well, it's a good answer, the teacher said slowly, but it is not the answer I would give. After several minutes of discussion, a second student ventured a question on behalf of the whole group. You know, the night is over, the day has begun when light falls on the leaves and you can tell whether it is a palm tree or a fig tree. Once again, the teacher shook his head. That was a fine answer, but it is not the answer I seek, he said gently. Immediately, the students began to argue with one another. Finally, one of them begged the teacher, answer your own question, teacher, for we cannot think of another response. The teacher looked intently at the eager young faces before he began to speak. When you look into the eyes of a human being and see a brother or sister, you know that it is morning. If you cannot see a sister or a brother, you will know that it will always be night. I pray for our church country, a community, a world, that we would start seeing brothers and sisters so that we know it is morning and it is light. 
And that becomes because God's light shines to us, through us, and in us. So we love each other as God has welcomed all into his family. God's blessings as you wake this morning and see your brother and sister. Amen. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in his bosom gather, nestling bird nor star in heaven, such a refuge here was given. God his own doth tender nourish, in his holy courts they flourish, from all evil things he spares them, in his mighty arms he bears them. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows all he knoweth. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh is the loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. With the birth of a son, Obed, to Ruth and Boaz, the hope of new life in your earthly kingdom was born. With the birth of his descendant, Jesus, the hope of new life in your heavenly kingdom became a reality as well. 
bless us with the hope that one day we will become inheritors of all that is yours. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. All the things that you have created, both big and small, carry the hope of newness of life. Show us how to be intentional caretakers of all that you have made so that this earth sustains life long beyond our years. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. All the leaders that you have chosen and equipped carry the hope of new ways of living in justice and peace. Make them stewards of your people so that peace reigns in this world. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. All the children who suffer in body, mind, and spirit carry the hope of healing. Bring to health and wholeness all who cry for your healing touch, especially Becky Anderson, Arlene Johnson, Craig Olson, Jean Hoisington, Dixie and Shirley Tag, Kelsey Zamuda, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Christina Burgett, Helen Erickson, Gary Fredrickson, Randy Goglin, Rachel Seacrest, Julie Dubois, Jim Wade, Scott Morgan, Maury and Lee Nicholson, Dave Christensen, Helen Jorgensen, Edna Henriksen. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. All the people who wake each morning in parts of the world that suffer from oppression, exile, or torment carry the hope that one day soon you will bring an end to their suffering. Make that day a reality so that all may live without fear. God, in your mercy, you hear our prayer. All the saints who have preceded us carry the hope of the resurrection and eternal life with you. May we look forward to the day of our reunion. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With gratitude for your faithfulness, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Continue with the offering prayer. Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. Amen. Continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Called to walk together as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. Thanks be to God. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength, your courage to renew. Do not be disheartened, for I have news for you. It is no secret what God can do. What is done for others, He'll do for you. With arms wide open, He'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. There is no night, for in His light you'll never walk alone. Always feel at home, wherever you may roam. There is no power can conquer you, while God is on your side. Just take Him at His promise, don't run away and hide. It is no secret what God can do. Thank you for listening to A Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Toronto, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran With Church. With arms wide open, you feel free to donate visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret.